Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today our church celebrates the Feast of Pentecost. Now, there are three major feasts in our liturgical year, Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost. Yet in all three of those major feasts, essentially a person of the Holy Trinity is identified and looked upon. Look at Christmas. Christmas is really the feast of the Son, Jesus Christ, strips himself of all of his power and glory and enters into our world to begin the mission, the mission to save the entire world. Easter. Easter is the feast of the Father. The Father calls the Son back into life. And therefore, we are now all reconciled back to the Father through Jesus' passion, death, and resurrection. Well, Pentecost is the feast of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descending upon the apostles, and in doing so, our church comes to life. It springs into being. Now, the Holy Spirit, if you look at the Holy Spirit amongst all three persons of the Holy Trinity, it's probably the one that is overlooked the most. If you look at the Trinitarian persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Father is always looked upon as the Creator. The Son is the Redeemer. He redeems the world. The Holy Spirit tends to be overlooked. We don't hear that much about the Holy Spirit. And yet, today, we celebrate just that. It's the Feast of the Holy Spirit. How the Holy Spirit now brings life to our church and continues on, even to this very day. 2,000 years later, the Holy Spirit, you know, comes in and out of our church, in and out of our life, in order for us and our church to have life and life eternal. Now, the readings are very appropriate. Why? because they tell us just how our church received the gift of the Holy Spirit. It says, When the time for the Pentecost was fulfilled, the apostles were all in one place together, and suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind and filled the entire house in which they were. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire, which parted and came to rest upon each of the apostles. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues, as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. Well, it's interesting. The Holy Spirit comes in the form of a wind. Well, wind represents a lot. The symbolic significance, the Holy Spirit is like a wind. Now, we all know if we go outside, wind is something that is hard to predict. Wind is something we can't control. You know what? We go out today and the wind comes from the west. Tomorrow it may come from the east. We can't control the wind. Well, the same thing holds true with the Holy Spirit. You know, we have to surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to control us, just like it did the apostles. Now, there's no way that we can say that we're in a right relationship if we truly have the attitude and the mindset that my life is about me 
My life is about following my will and my desires and my passion and my intellect. No. Instead, what I've preached so many times, our life is about our relationship with God and surrendering, just like the apostles in the first reading, surrendering to the power of the Holy Spirit. And then like a wind, you know, having the Holy Spirit blow into our life such that we are no longer in control. The Holy Spirit now controls us. Now, stay with that image of wind. Now, when you think about the wind, the wind is also very powerful. If you think about these huge planes like 747s, these are very large planes that are very heavy. And yet, through the wind, it lifts these planes up so they're able to fly. Or look at small towns that are destroyed by the winds of a great tornado. So wind has a great power associated. It can uproot things. Well, the same thing holds true with us. Spiritually speaking, the Holy Spirit in its wind you know, lifts us up. It uproots us from our spiritual complacency if we surrender to it. And in doing so, now we are taken to where God wants us to be, to do things that God wants us to do. And that's what is so important, to recognize just that. That's why the wind is something that the apostles experience right away. Now, the first gift that the apostles are given, the ability to speak in different tongues, different languages. Well, what happened is the apostles, as they were praying, and that was important, the first thing that they were, the apostles were doing is they were praying. They were in the proper disposition to receive the Holy Spirit. And they did. And in doing so, the Holy Spirit gave them, you could say, the first installment of God's gifts, which is the ability to speak in different languages. Now, why was that so true in their first gift? Was it so that the apostles now were properly equipped to evangelize? Later on, they would be given the gift of healing, which was the ability to follow after Jesus Christ, because he was the great healer of so many people. And so, these are two great gifts of evangelization, to speak in different languages and to be able to heal people, because in doing so, now it caught people's attention. Now the apostles were truly being led by the Holy Spirit, and people saw that. And that's why people were so gravitated to the apostles, their teaching as well as their actions. Now, turn to the second reading. In the second reading, Paul talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are given divine gifts. Paul refers to them in Corinthians as charisms. He says, Brothers and sisters, No one can say Jesus is the Lord except the Holy Spirit. There are different forms of gifts, spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different forms of service, but the same Lord. Different workings, but the same God. To each individual, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to us for some benefit. For one in the Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Well, Paul is now referring to the great gift of baptism. At the moment of baptism, you know, the gifts that God gave us when we were born were stirred up because the Holy Spirit came into, rushed into our soul at baptism, stirred up all those gifts. And at our confirmation, those gifts were now confirmed upon us. Now we knew the gifts that God has given us and how to use them for the edification or the building up of the church. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians, 
The gifts God has given us, we can't use for our own benefit. God didn't give us those gifts for that purpose. Instead, it's for the express purpose of building up his church. And that's what the apostles did. They used first the gift of languages to preach to people of foreign lands. Then they used the gift of healing, you know, to heal people, you know, to convert them to Christianity. And so we have to do the same thing. Use the gifts that God has given us, you know, to be swept up, uprooted by the Holy Spirit and do things and say things that we never thought possible. Give you another great example of this. You look at the lives of the saints. The saints, like the apostles, were great imitators of surrendering to the Holy Spirit, recognizing the gifts that God has given us and then using them for the benefit of the church. Just look at some of the saints. St. Thomas Aquinas. Now, we all know Thomas Aquinas was a great intellect, probably the greatest intellect our church or even our world has ever produced. There was that great story of Thomas. After he finished his treatise on the Eucharist, he didn't feel he justified it enough. So he placed it at the crucifix in his chapel as if to get permission from Jesus Christ. He prayed. After a while, he began to leave. And as he was leaving, he heard the voice. It was the voice of Christ. And it said to him, You have written well, Thomas. What do you want for your reward? Aquinas said, Nil nisi te. Nothing but you. Well, that's just so beautiful. So we know Thomas Aquinas was an intellect, but we also know he was a great spiritual person. You know, there's stories about Thomas Aquinas. You know, he had a great devotion for the Eucharist. He would wake up early in the morning, celebrate Mass, and then rush off immediately to concelebrate Mass a second time. You know, there are moments when Thomas Aquinas would rest his head against the tabernacle in order to receive inspiration from God. There are even stories in which, as Thomas Aquinas was praying, he would levitate before the Blessed Sacrament. Well, that was his gift that he gave to us so that we could come to know who God is, especially in the Eucharist. Well, look at St. John of the Cross, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Catherine of Siena. They were all mystics. That was their gift. They recognized it and they used it for the benefit of our church. St. John of the Cross wrote The Dark Night of the Soul. St. Therese Avila wrote The Interior Castles. St. Catherine of Siena wrote her book, The Dialogue. And in these great works of literature, we come to know who God is in the spiritual life. That was their gift. How about St. Francis Xavier, the great evangelist? He went from Italy all the way over to India and began to evangelize there. Then he made his way to Japan and then China. Now, what was so interesting of St. Francis Xavier, he never was taught any languages. He never was taught the native language of the people in India, Japan, or China. And yet, stories are told that as soon as St. Francis Xavier touched his foot on the soil of the nation or country he was about to enter into, he immediately knew the language. And he knew it with great proficiency so that he could successfully evangelize the people of that country or nation that he was at. Well, that was his gift and he used it. Well, look at St. Bernadette. You know, St. Bernadette followed you know, the instruction of St. Mary and she scratched on the ground and came up healing waters, the waters of Fatima that we know today. Well, that was her gift. Well, what we have to do 
on this feast of Pentecost is recognize the power of the Holy Spirit continues to become a source of life for us and our church. What must we do? We must follow the apostles, follow the saints. We must recognize those gifts and share them. Now, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 what we must do. The first thing that we have to do to recognize those gifts, to share them, prayer. Remember the apostles last week, you know, right before Jesus ascended back into heaven, he told the apostles, go back into Jerusalem and pray. And at the very end of the gospel story last week, it said the apostles were in the temple morning and night, worshiping God. Well, we have to do that ourselves. We have to be people of prayer, praying every day. See, when we do that, we, like the apostles and the saints, we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit can uproot us and take us to places and do things we never thought possible. And so we have to pray. The next, we have to discern our gifts. And we have to recognize we all have gifts. Most importantly, maybe we have to help each other discern gifts. Maybe for us, it's hard to discern our own gifts. We have to rely upon others. For example, maybe there's a person who every Sunday is in front of you in the pew or behind you, and they have this beautiful voice. Well, turn to them and tell them, that's your gift. You know, become a a cantor or join our choir to help us in worship. Or maybe you know somebody that's a, you know, such a great teacher that they connect well with kids. Well, that's their gift. Tell them that. Encourage them to be a catechist in faith formation. You know, those are just a few ways in which we follow the example of the apostles and the saints. We recognize the powerful force of the Holy Spirit working in and through our lives, and then we surrender to it. And in doing so, our church benefits and becomes stronger for it. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.